Good morning. Thank you. It's so cool to be here. I maybe want to start with a disclaimer, and I have to give the disclaimer because of the society that we live in. And the disclaimer is this. I am not here to give you my opinion on something this morning, but what I am wanting to share with you is the truth. And do you know that your first knee-jerk reaction is like, who does this think he is? <laughs> because actually we have so conditioned by the world that we live in that every, what anybody says is their opinion. Uh, that's what he thinks. Uh, that's what she thinks. That's what truth, in our opinion, is subjective. It's what you make of it. And so this morning, I want to tell you objectively what the truth is. And you can't argue with it. It might feel different to you. It doesn't make it wrong. It is the truth. Because Jesus comes and he says, he is the way, the life, and the truth. And so I want to talk about eternity. I want to talk about heaven. I want to talk about that day. I want to talk about what our future looks like, what eternity is like, and it's not my opinion. It's actually the truth of what is written in the Word of God. And if you believe it's true, because that's faith. Faith is not believing in your truth. Faith is believing that that truth is true and it changes the way that I live because it's true. Okay. Great. Feel free to laugh. Just smile. Any friendly engagement will be great. Even before I started, uh, Devon said like, hey, you know, just come with your attitudes. I want to say this. The Bible does give a response. It gives something that you have a responsibility this morning. You have a responsibility for the condition of your heart, whether or not the truth will produce fruit in your life. The truth is not right or wrong. The truth is right. Your heart condition will determine whether or not it yields fruit. So if there is no fruit, it's a heart thing. So I want to, let's, let's now. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, when Jesus left, He said it's better for us so that you can convict of righteousness, that you can comfort, that you can help us. So I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come right now with a, a strong sense of conviction in our lives? where we are out of alignment in our heart's attitude with you and the truth. Would you bring that right to the forefront of our minds so that we can deal with the objections? Come and convict, Holy Spirit. I'd love to read this scripture that I didn't give to the AV team. I'm sorry. I'm going to read this and it's, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, and it says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. And so the objective truth is every single one of you here this morning alive, if you have a pulse, we have a doctor, Louise can, if you struggle to know, Louise can help us. If you have a pulse, God has put eternity into your heart. And that means it's like this. It's like, who's ever heard the story of, or seen the story of Peter Pan and, and Hook? And there's that crocodile chasing Hook with a clock inside of it. And it's always, tick, 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 
Do you know that inside your heart, there is a consistent ticking? And we're born with it, and it stays with us till we die. And do you know that that ticking, that eternity that God places in our heart, it causes us to seek and to search Him and to find out what it is, to find out what's the purpose. For some people, it drives them crazy. It causes us to do things to drown out the ticking sometimes. You, you, and this, it was my birthday a few days ago, 10 days ago, and happy birthday, and it came with its own dilemma, because every birthday, the ticking gets louder. It does. Every birth, the younger you are, I think the ticking is fainter. It's an illusion, because you turn, like that, this is over. But every birthday you have, Every goal you didn't accomplish, every time your life didn't take that massive move forward that you thought it did, every time you look at yourself after every year, there's this ticking that gets louder and louder and louder inside of us. And, the, and it presses this question, what is running? What is the counter for? What is the time of ticking for? Is it, a, is it running out? Is it the sands of time, like days of our lives, like sands through an hourglass? So are the days of our There is a ticking happening in every single one of us, and it causes us to live our lives in a certain way. And I want to show you that eternity with Jesus is so much more than pearly gates and white robes. Because I'll be honest, that's the only picture that I was painted at church. That's the only picture I got growing up. If I had to ask you, close your eyes and imagine heaven. How many of you is it we're all standing in white robes in a choir singing, holy, holy. Like, I'll be honest with you, that's okay. I can, I'm the, I'm, you guys are long stamina guys, which is amazing. I, I'm the 30 minute worshiper. That's like, I love to, I could sing of your love forever. And then 30 minutes later, I'm like, could we sing about something else? Like, and then when people are like, for all of eternity, we're going to be gathered in white robes, just falling on our face, screaming, holy, holy, holy. I'm like, I'll be honest, that kind of sucks. Just me. Just me. Okay. I struggle with that. Guys are like, you need to be eternity-minded. You need to make decisions about your career now based on your eternity. And I'm like, well, if my eternity is white robes and a choir singing holy, I want to have as much fun as I can now. <laughs> because that doesn't sound, I mean, maybe, maybe you love choirs. Then that's okay. What is it? What is this eternity? What, what is this ticking inside of me? And there is this beautiful picture, and Jesus teaches it, and he shows us, and I want to show us in Scripture why eternity is glorious, and why when you see it, it changes the way you wake up on Monday morning, and the way you go through hardship on Monday afternoon, and the way that you push through on Tuesday, and it helps you to live a life based on what is to come, and not what is in front of me right now. Do you know that that is the secret source of a Christian? <laughs> There is like, you know, everywhere, all takeaways are the same, except one of them have that one thing that's different. For me, I don't like takeaways, but I'm going to just be vulnerable because this is a place of honesty. 
There's something about that Burger King sauce. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like, maybe it's like a sprinkling of cocaine. I don't know. But there's something about Burger King that is so stiff, yet I love that taste. It's like there is something in a Christian that makes us so very different. And the difference between us and everybody else is what we know of what is to come. And what is to come gives us a joy that is uncorruptible, gives us a zest for life, gives us a reason to live that nobody else has. That's the secret source of a Christian is we know what's coming. That's the message that we carry. <laughs> I know, disclaimer, absolute truth, it's not my belief. I know what's happening at the end of your life. I know what's coming. Now that I have gone totally off my notes, <laughs> let's try and find our way back. <laughs> this is what Jesus, he's trying to comfort his disciples. Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's shown them a way of life. He's shown them who he is. They've seen him as the Messiah. His disciples have given everything to follow him, and Jesus is getting ready to leave them. And so he gives them this. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Christian, Believer, if you're not a believer, you can be troubled. If you don't follow Jesus, I want to promise you right now, I would also be riddled with anxiety. If I look at the world around me, it's going to hell. I would also want to immigrate and run and get as far away to as safe a place as I could. That's what all my unsafe friends are doing. They're trying to save them. I get that. But for the believer, there is something else. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is in more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Jesus says, when I'm not with you anymore, it's because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Okay, that's great. What does that mean? When everything is ready, I will come and get you. So you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. Do you know that the desire of God, do you know that the purpose of eternity is for God to be with man? <laughs> he doesn't, it's not like, okay guys, here's your 80 year test and then you get to be in the choir for the rest of your life. No, it's, Guys, I, I want to be with you in the 80 years, and after the, maybe you're 80, so let's say 90 years, and into eternity. God wants relationship with you now. Now. Sorry for shouting. Inside voice, I've got to remember that. Churches are inside voices. Let me, let me tell you this, Revelation 21 verse 3. Let me give you a picture of the end. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, this is at the end. This is after all the chaos. This is after all the drama. If you look at the Middle East, you should be thinking things. If you look at the world around us, wars and rumors of wars, and hey, guess what? Let me give you a lacquer disclaimer for South Africans. We're on the side of Hamas just in case that didn't encourage you enough. We're picking a side in this battle. This is the battle you don't want to pick a side in. 
If you look at the, the natural around us, I'm saying, God, it's chaos. How could you have peace? You can't. So if you don't have peace, that's why. I want to show you how we have peace. And the fact that you can live in this chaos, in this turbulence, in this mess, and be more joyful than anyone ever. And be so filled with hope and life that you don't care for immigration or running or currency or literally. Because my life means more than this. The, the, the Bible is speaking about the end and it says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Do you know what eternity looks like? It looks like a relationship with him without pain. Without the heartache, without the sorrow that we have now. Without the death and the loss. Without the trauma and the calamity. That's what eternity looks like. Do you know that it's no way, it, it, the end is no way different from the way that he planned from it in the beginning. In Genesis 3, we're not going to go there, 3 verse 8 to 9, it talks about, in the beginning, God created this paradise. And in this paradise, he put people. And his desire was, in every day, God would come down in the cool of the day and walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. And they had this close communion and relationship with him. As it was in the beginning, is what his plan is for the end. And we don't know what it looks like. Your mind cannot fathom. But at the end, it looks like being with Jesus, and we know what it is like to be close to Him. Who's experienced terrible anxiety in your life? Don't worry, you're not the only one, as you can see. Who's experienced incredible peace of God? It is like no other. John 17 verse 3, another scripture I didn't give you because it was during worship. And Jesus is speaking to him and he says, and this is eternal life. Okay, here's the clincher. What is it? Is it streets of gold? Because I don't even like gold, if I'm honest. I don't like gold. I don't like that car. I don't wear gold chains. I'm not, God's, when guys talk about heaven, they get caught up in the, oh man, these, these precious gemstones and these golden gates and these golden streets. And I'm like, that's lame. <laughs> really, I like asphalt. I think tar is cool. It's nice to skate on. Like, I don't, I don't know if I want golden paved stones. Like, <laughs> great theology, eh? No, eternity it's not about what it's like when we get there. Because do you know what? That's the only way we find peace now. We find solace in stuff, in value, in purpose, 
And so we want to grasp for what will that be like in heaven? Oh, don't worry. Everybody has the same thing. We're like, oh, that sounds like heaven because actually the gaping wound in my life is the fact that I live in poverty right now. No, eternity is in your not having. In your not having and relationship with Him, you can have peace. And you can have joy and love and life. You need nothing but Jesus, like Ian was saying. Here's an, I want to give you an example, because the other part that we think of is like, oh, heaven is this place where, you know, we're all perfect. And that's the other thing that we hold on to. I can't wait for heaven, because in heaven I'm not going to have these sinful desires. Because that's where we struggle with most at the moment. Do you know that you, it's not, you don't have to wait for heaven to be start to be sanctified, to look more and more like Jesus. You don't have to wait for that day, for that, that lust that burns inside of you, drives you crazy to be gone. You can find freedom in that thing today. I'll give you an example of that. Matthew 13, verse 31. The kingdom of heaven... It's like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but it becomes the largest of the garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus is trying to illustrate to them with something that they can understand. He says it's like this. It's like this, this kingdom of heaven, this relationship with God is like this absolutely tiny seed that you can barely see that you put into this garden full of chaos. But do you know what happens when we become Christians? We're like, oh my goodness, I've got the seed. I've given my life to Jesus. I put it in the garden. And then we're like, yo, but there's a lot of weeds in here. And those, half of them look smokable. Like, <laughs> there's a problem here. So we start to be like, okay, cool. Well, if I want this seed to grow, then I need to make sure that I'm, I need to rip out all the other weeds in this garden. I need to make space for this tree to grow, otherwise this, the tree is not going to grow. And so we get in and we, we bring the, the rake out of the garden. We do stuff in the garden and, we, and all of a sudden we rip out all the plants and we rip out, I have the worst green fingers. If you ask me to work in your garden, it will die. It's a gift. And we, we try and clear the garden. We do this in our lives. Like, I need to stop drinking. I need to stop smoking. I need to be more present. I need to read my Bible. I need to do, 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 do. Do you know that all you do is the soil where you put the seed in? You come over and you just trample that thing. And you kill the life of it. But Jesus gives this principle. When eternity, which is in the heart of every man, when relationship with him takes root, it does this incredible thing. Jesus says that's why he left, is to give us the spirit. And his spirit in Romans 14 makes us holy. <laughs> that there's this incredible work by his spirit that sanctifies us. So that as that seed starts to grow, it starts as the smallest. But as it grows, it starts to displace everything else around it. And you don't have to start to clean out the flower bed. The flower bed starts getting pushed out the way because the tree is growing. And so you can tell when the seed of eternity has taken root in someone's life because it starts to displace all the weeds. 
You don't have to say you need to stop this. It comes from the inside. Some of you says, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. And then you have power over that thing. As long as you want it, it has power. So you can have all the elders meet with you six times a week to pluck your garden. If the tree is not growing, it will not displace the weeds. Lord Jesus, right now, where there are seeds that are not growing, Holy Spirit, come right now. Where we are not listening to your convictions and your leadings and your power, help us. Help us, Lord Jesus. Mark 4, verse 26. The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Jesus is again giving an illustration of the kingdom. This thing is not manufactured. Can I speak? I can be bold. I'm sure I can be bold. I felt like in worship there was manufacturing this morning. A little bit. I think some of us said sometimes it's a response and some of us are, there's this manufacturer side of us that, and I'm saying, yeah, we do need to bow means, sing my soul, lift my hands, worship. But if you're struggling with the desire for worship, the problem is not in the worship. The problem is not in the song. The problem is not in the crowd in the room. The problem is in the condition of the seed in your heart. If worship is a struggle, are you seeing him rightly? <laughs> Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he doesn't understand how it happens. This is how the kingdom of God works in our lives. I would love to say to you, guys, there is evidence to the seed of the kingdom of God in our lives. It displaces bad rubbish in our life. If you're taking notes, you can do that. It displaces the rubbish and it grows without us understanding how. It, it start, you don't look the same in December as you did in January. You're not losing the same battles. Again, disclaimer, if you are trying to do it, you, let's pause. I'll talk to you now. <laughs> if you are trying to be a Christian, please stop. If you're doing your best, just stop. It's actually... Actually, it's a work of the Holy Spirit, and you need God's enabling power to be a Christian. You can respond to the seed. You can't make it grow. It's literally what the Bible is teaching us. You cannot make it. You can, you can watch the condition of your heart because the seed will only grow in good soil. So you can work on your heart attitude and your response to God and the way that you come towards Him, but you can't make the seed grow. And if it's not growing, check the soil of your heart. Five more minutes, I'll be done. 
One of the Pharisees asked Jesus, well, because well, Jesus always said, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. So then they said, well, then when will the kingdom come? When will the kingdom of God come? Jesus says this, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. Your relationship with Jesus goes with you into eternity. It's not like you get to the pearly gates and you're like, I just told Jesus it's me, Dan. Probably right at the bottom of the list. <laughs> you know, I'm not like the ones who just made the cut. That one. No, it's not like that. Eternity is knowing Him now. And then as you go into eternity, it's that relationship with Him continues, except you see Him rightly. That's what I can't wait for. That's why I'm not afraid of death. That's why I'm not afraid of circumstances and drama in this life. Because that for me is far more rewarding than now. My relationship with Jesus right now motivates me more than my circumstances. How much more then? If you don't have a desire to live for Jesus, it's, it's not because of the seed. It's got to do with the soil. Oh man, I'm, I'm sorry. I feel like the Holy Spirit's drawn a completely different conclusion to what I wanted to go to. And I feel like the conclusion is, and I feel like the point that God wants to bring us to, is I feel like that there is stuff in our life and there is, a, there is effort, fabrication, trying to make this thing happen, trying to willpower my way over the line, that the Holy Spirit wants to come and enable you actually differently. Do you know that that's why you need the power of the Spirit? Guys are like, we, 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 Holy Spirit, we need you. I don't need him for worship, if I'm honest. I love it when he comes in worship. But, but I'm able to sing, and I'm able to enjoy him, and I'm able to think about him. And Don't you know what I'm not saying? Do you know what I do need him for? I need him for my Sif attitude at home when I'm full of rubbish. So often we want his moments of power in these Amazing worship times, like, Holy Spirit, come! And then on Monday morning when you haven't had a cup of coffee and it's load shedding and you get cut off in traffic and you walk into the office, it's not like, come Holy Spirit. It's like, get out! The Spirit was given to enable us to live like sons of God. That without His Holy Spirit, you can't follow Jesus. It's impossible. If you are struggling to follow him, it's because you haven't got his Holy Spirit enabling you. You need to ask him, Holy Spirit, why are you not? What is going on? Maybe I'm living in constant sin and I don't repent anymore and I've hardened myself to him. And he spoke to me about something because that's the way the Holy Spirit works. He comes and he convicts us and he shows us. And when you resist him, he backs off. And that's the attitude of the heart. And so you might be that guy that, that, that I, I can be that guy where, 
Your humor is always playing on the line. What if you cross the line and you grieve the Holy Spirit? <laughs> and then what? Then you start to see things that God doesn't approve of. You don't care anymore. Coarse language. The Bible gives so many illustrations. Lovers of money, lovers of self. Your, your opinion on how you look and how you feel and how people perceive you becomes very important. Those are all things where we need the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. I want to summarize with this. If eternity, if that ticking in our hearts, if you're a believer this morning, it is the countdown to the beginning. The beginning of the end. The beginning of no more pain. The beginning of party time. It's like a countdown clock to New Year's. That actually, the more I see my frailness, the more, like Paul says, I'm actually excited to go. The more that when I see the world fall around, around me, it's not my security. I look forward to that day. When you're a parent, you see your children go through pain. And it makes you very grateful for that day when there'll be no more pain. When I had small children, it was really, um, it was like, oh man, you know, that's tough. Little Johnny scraped his knee. But when your children get older, you really, you really do start to see the nastiness of the fallen world that we live in affect something that you love so dearly. That's when you start to become grateful that this is not forever. I can't imagine how God feels about us, actually. When I see my oldest is now 12, and um, when I see like 12-year-old girls, you know, they're all so amazing. When you see how, how evil and how mean and how, how the world can be to a 12-year-old girl, that's when I'm like, oh, Jesus, I thank you that this is not forever. I'm really excited for that day when there's no more pain and no more sorrow and no more. Because it brings that realization closer to home. But for all of us, eternity is not this, this destination that we just, you know, I'm going to get through my life a Christian, and at the end, I'm going to land up in heaven, and then I don't really know what happened there, but I just don't want to go to the other place. I think that's how most people are motivated. Like, I, I don't really know what happens in heaven, but I just don't want to go to the opposite of heaven. I just don't want to go to hell. That sounds like a bad place. Like fires and burning and constant punishment and pain and turmoil and and no rest, and restlessness, and a lack of peace, and torture, and like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to go there, I want to go to heaven, I just don't want to go where it sucks, no, heaven is so, eternity is so much more than that for us, eternity is this incredible relationship where you are reunited with God, without the pain of this, without the, without the, 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 the stuff that we carry inside of us, fallen by nature, and I wanted to say this. I am, the, I am not standing here throwing stones at you. I'm not just saying, you battle with those things. I'm saying, man, I am the worst. I'm saying that I know myself how easy it is to fall into the rut of forgetting what lies ahead. 
of gauging. The worst thing for pastors, and I, I can tell you this because Luke's not here and Ian completely understands this feeling. The worst thing for a pastor is a Monday often. On a Monday, you are like debriefing how Sunday went, and you're like, oh my goodness, that happened, that was bad, that was... If it was a great Sunday, you have a happy Monday. If it was a terrible Sunday, and everybody took leave and nobody came, you're like, God doesn't love me anymore. I have no purpose. I'm dead. No, we take our job seriously. But in that thing, I've realized for myself that He builds this thing, this family, that the Holy Spirit is building every single one of you. That for all of us, there are things that we need to overcome and find victory in. And so I want to tell you this morning, if you are one of those who have been battling things on and on and on and on and on, we need to trust God that today, no more. That you, we need to ask for Him to bring His Spirit. And the second thing, is that I feel like, and I hope, I hope I've come in here and kicked the hornet's nest that you are so in turmoil inside of you. Because then I know that you need Jesus. I know that you need peace. And I would love to introduce you to peace. I would love, if your world is falling apart, I would love to introduce you to Jesus. Because when your world falls apart and you know Jesus, you're okay. You can literally have peace in the middle of a storm. I wonder if we can just buy heads quickly.